This is Dylan. This is Nick. And you're listening to And we're live. Hello and welcome to Colloquium. We're here for another virtual podcast, our second in a row. Nick is is feeling better. Nick's done with his COVID quarantine. However, I am currently under a forced quarantine um, due to possible exposure. I'm healthy, not sick yet. Um, probably don't expect to, but um, I've been having to stay at home and, and keep to myself. So here we are, virtual once again. How are you doing, Nick? Yeah, doing great. Um, yeah, I think uh, we're kind of all starting to get the sense that we know more and more people that, um, you know, have it or know someone that has COVID. Yeah, or, so, um, yeah no kidding. Yeah, it's definitely become more real. Yeah, are you, would you say you're totally better? You still having any lingering symptoms? Yep, I think today's probably the first day. This has been, I guess, probably three weeks since I, almost three weeks since I started feeling symptoms. And I guess today is probably the first day where I haven't had a cough or a sniffle or anything. So, Well, con- congrats. That's great news. I, uh, I know... Uh, Nick, kind of, you finished your quarantine, and then nobody really wanted to be around you. At least you think it was because of COVID, but because you're still kind of coughing, you're still a little sick. But the CDC said you're good. But we're like, eh, I don't know if I'm ready to uh, to have Nick coughing on me yet. But yeah, I didn't know if I was ready for y'all to be around me either. I'm not really sure. What, I wasn't really sure what to think, you know. So uh, um, it's definitely a confusing thing where the experts, quote unquote, seem to not really be experts on. Um, what the best thing to do is, and through no fault of sure. their own, you know. Well, anyway. yeah, it's just all so new. I mean, um, nobody knew what COVID was two years ago, and right. now it's you know affecting every aspect of our life. So I feel like you got to have some patience with the the quote unquote experts. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, our poor listeners have probably heard this conversation we've been having just now like 15 times. Uh, oh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's. Magic. It's just the world we live in at this point, really. I'm with you. All right. Well, hey, so we're going to talk about hope today. Um, I have with me the uh, beautiful, most recent Word on File journal. On mm, beautiful. Our uh, listeners or viewers can see it because we kind of have viewers now. Um, but beautiful, beautiful cover of the journal. I've read a few articles in it. It's pretty good. Um, but I don't even think we're going to talk about necessarily the journal all that much. I don't know. Maybe you have some things to reference from it. But I think hope is is a, a really exciting topic. Yeah, this is something actually that I've been thinking about for the past year. Um, you know, ever since the, you know, of course, the, the COVID quarantine came about and around the beginning of March here in Alabama. Um, you know, it's been something that actually I've, I've felt myself, you know, very devoid of at times, um, personally. Um, so, um, this is kind of a big question throughout this year of, you know, where to, where to find hope and how to grow in it. And, um, yeah, that sort of thing. So I'm excited about this conversation. We've been talking about doing this for a few months. It seems like now. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And we're finally getting around to do it. Maybe we're going to do one on, on all three of the theological virtues at some point. Um, I, I mainly want, cause my, my intro question here is going to be, what is hope? But I, I want to do uh, love mainly so that I can say, what's love got to do with this? 
Wait, what's that? Who's that cover uh, song? Uh, walk, walk I want to say, yeah, Walk Off the Earth, and walk they cover the, the, the 70s, 80s, <laughs> whenever it was song, What's Love Got to Do With It? And it is it is the best. I didn't oh like the God. original song, but this is, this is a, it's a jam, a banger, whatever the kids say these days. So good. I was listening to it again today. Nice, anyway. <laughs> nice. So anyway, but that's another podcast for another time. What has hope got to do with it, Nick? Yeah, so it's definitely a question. Honestly, I you know over the summer, six months, eight months ago, whatever it was, I I definitely asked this question. Like, well, I don't even know how to how to define hope. Um, it seems to be the I don't know, almost a forgotten theological virtue. I think. Um, so yeah, you know, if only we had like a a catechism of some sort that defined words like hope oh for us oh my you're too much man all right i'm gonna whip this bad boy out here but actually me and a couple friends like we're driving down the road one day and over the summer and we decided like yeah let's let's see if we can just come up with a definition of hope you don't look it up hmm. yeah um let's see if we can come up with it here, here's kind of what we came up with if you're interested before we get into the catechism which i we am basically um it's a a confident expectation that what we desire will be fulfilled. Um, just kind of the general like that, definition yeah. Um, yeah. that we came up with. We kind of, oh, we thought about it kind of hard and nuanced it. Um, so anyway. That's pretty lame. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. Um, <laughs> anyway, I'll, I guess I'll read from uh, the catechism here. Um, if, if that's what you were, were going along for. Um, yeah, no. And I think, I think, I mean, your definition there, you said a con a confident expectation that what we you desire will be fulfilled. Right. Yeah. I think that actually reminds me a lot of the catechism definition that I've heard. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe I'll read the first bit. Um, if you want to touch on it a little bit, um, if you have some thoughts on it, that'd, that'd be great. Dylan. Great. Yeah. Go um, for it. Yeah, so here it is. This is from the catechism of paragraph 1817. Hope is the theological virtue by which we desire the kingdom of heaven and eternal life as our happiness. Placing our trust in Christ's promises and relying not on our own strength, but on the help of the grace of the Holy Spirit. Are you good enough, you think? Can you read that one more time? Yeah. Hope is a theological virtue by which we desire the kingdom of heaven and eternal life as our happiness. Placing our trust in Christ's promises and relying not on our own strength, but on the help of the grace of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I think I think that desire, that aspect of desire for the kingdom of heaven is what stands out to me whenever I think about hope. Because um, ultimately what hope is to me, in a nutshell, is it is something that keeps you going. Um, and I think a lot of times, ultimately, what keeps us going on this earthly pilgrimage is is that hope in a heavenly reality, right? We we have this kind of instinct, and, and it can be nurtured through through faith, through the life of grace, but it's kind of something in us that tells us that we're made for something more than this earth, or maybe more than what we're experiencing right in this moment. So if I think of even somebody who's just suffering, right, and they're tempted towards despair, hope is something that keeps them going and makes them believe that, you know what, it can be better. It can be better. And I like that the catechism roots that. And ultimately, it's rooted in the reality of heaven. Um, right. Heaven is, we are made for a better life. We are made for something better than what we experience. Absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely future-oriented. Um, yeah, uh, I, I know there's a word here, trust, too. I think that just kind of sums up hope in, you know, almost, 
almost totally, yeah. you know, just kind of this, this, um, yeah, there's really no better word, trust that, you know, Christ's promises will be fulfilled, uh, specifically Christ's promises. Yeah, I think absolutely. And I think you as well, Nick, you wanted to kind of lay a foundation because I think hope is related to trust. It's related to faith, definitely, as well, um, and love. Um, but faith, hope, and love are the three theological virtues, um, is what the church says. So I know you wanted to kind of lay a foundation of, okay, what exactly is virtue, and where does the virtue of hope uh, play into the grand scale of virtues? Yeah, this is a conversation that maybe I don't fully know the answer to, so we'll have to make it a conversation of ours here. Um, but yeah, maybe just um, to make sure we and our listeners are kind of on the same page um, in terms of hope. hope. Hope, of course, is a virtue. Um, we, I think we need to step back and talk a little bit about kind of what virtue means. Again, I know we've, we've talked about it in maybe previous podcasts, but uh, we'll go ahead and summarize it again here. Um, so a virtue, again, is, is just um, the I've, I've got written down here, the habitual disposition of doing the good. So basically it's I love a, that definition. Yeah. Okay, right. It's a it's a disposition. You're disposed, or you have a habit towards doing doing morally upright things, doing good things. Um. So that, I think that's is that a fair definition you say? Yeah, I I always love that definition. I teach it all the time because um, I think that um, it's something uniquely Christian. I think about the virtues. I think. You know, the Greeks, when they thought of virtue, their word for virtue was arete, which means like excellence. Hmm. Um, so virtue for the Greeks encaptured excellence really in, in every aspect of life. Um, and then for the Latins, it was, it came from the word virtus. Sorry, the Romans, not the Latins. The, the <laughs> Latin speaking Romans. Um, the word virtus was their word for virtue and it, made it meant strength. And it had a very masculine connotation, kind of masculine strength. So... Um, it, yeah, but both of those had this very particular connotation, um, and their, those cultures thought about it in a very particular way. And we even inherited some of those ways of thinking about virtue. But I think this definition, the habitual disposition to do the good or of doing the good is, I think, really unique. Um, and I think really full, fully encaptures what exactly a virtue is. So it means that I am disposed to do what is good. So that means that I don't just do what is good, but it's natural and it's easy for me to do it. So to be virtuous, whether that's the virtue of hope or the virtue of courage, right? It's something that's natural because it's something you've built a habit of. Um, and I think this will play into kind of what we're talking about. Where do the virtues come from or come out of? Um, ultimately, it's it's two things. It's grace and it's, it's uh, effort. Right. So there, there's an element where especially the theological virtues, which we'll talk more about, but are only possible by the grace of God. But there's an element where we actually have to to build, um, to work, to cultivate virtues in our lives as well. Right. I mean, yeah, I think we're, we're touching here on the difference between human and theological virtues. Like, you Yeah, I know I kind of right? jumped ahead. So go into that human virtues no. versus theological virtues. No, that's great. That's a great segue, I think. Um, so, yeah, I guess human virtues here, um, th there's definitely references to, in the catechism, but I'll, I'll just go ahead and summarize. Um, I think what we mean there is, uh, again, morally upright habits, so habits of doing the good that are acquired by human effort. Um, you can, you and, you know, our, our fellow human beings here can can work towards acquiring these good habits. Um, so, I mean, we can go down various examples, but um, again, they can be acquired by human effort. Anything you want to add there? Uh, no, I think that's good. So that's just worth thinking of, you know, 
prudence, courage, um, honesty, right? You can build a habit of it um, by practicing it, essentially. Right. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, great. And maybe we'll, we'll touch in, we'll go into theological virtues here and we can get into our discussion about hope. But um, yeah, so these, and I'll, I'll quote a little bit from the catechism here. I won't, I won't read it in full, but so theological virtues, again, faith, hope, and love, um, gifts that are, and I have written down here directly from the catechism, um, these are gifts that are infused by God into the souls of the faithful, um, infused by God into the souls of the faithful to make them capable of acting as his children and of meriting eternal life. Um, so I think, first of all, I do want to mention that these are gifts. Um, I know you said that before, but these, these are gifts. We, we, can't, we can't acquire them by human effort, at least not solely. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, they're infused into ourselves. And it's for the purpose of acting as God's children and of meriting eternal life. That's, that's, that's their purpose for, for being God's children and you know, being in heaven. So. Right. Yeah, I think that's a great distinction right there because the— Um, When we think of virtues that we can kind of achieve by our own human flesh, which granted, I mean, I think an important caveat is that we can't even exist on our own human merit, right? I can't, my existence is a gift in and of itself. That's not an effort of my, my effort, my uh, merit, just like any virtues that I cultivate, right? Are only there because they're gifts. But in a certain sense, as a human, I can work on those, and, and my effort can result in the practice of virtue. Right. That being said, there's a difference between the human and the, the theological virtues, because the human virtues, you know, you, th- you think of Aristotle, right, Plato, these virtuous pagan Greeks, right? They could grow a lot in virtue, and they knew a lot about virtue. Sometimes I think way more than, than modern society knows about virtue. But... Even the most virtuous pagan is lacking in the theological virtues because faith, hope, and love are only a gift that comes to us through sanctifying grace, first and foremost, through baptism. Right. Yeah, I have nothing else to add there. It's a beautiful uh, summary of the theological virtues. Yeah, and I think ultimately that needs to shape our conversation of this, right? Because when we're talking about theological virtues, it's not something that we can merit, right? We can grow in them, but... Ultimately, this is, it's on a different scale. It might look similar to the human virtues, but I think that's why they're so hard to talk about, even talking about, okay, what is hope and how do you grow in it? It's a, it's a very mystical thing, I think, sometimes. And so I think that is important to understand shaping our conversation, is that hope is it's a virtue, but it's not like it like courage or honesty. It's, it's much deeper than that. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm, I know I'm I'm uh, still learning as to what faith, hope, and love actually are, so maybe we'll uh, help each other grow in understanding here. Wait, what's love got to do with this? Oh my gosh, you did not just go there, boy. <laughs> Walk off the earth, and whoever sang the original, somebody's going to get on to me for not knowing who sang the original, but they pay me for every time I say that. So. <laughs> okay, listen, at the end of this, you're going to sing that for us. We'll see. You're we'll see. I can, always, yeah, all right. <laughs> I can always edit it out. Anyway, so... Back to virtue. I think one thing I'm curious about, Nick, so we've talked about before on this podcast, I know the the virtue scale, right? So for Aristotle, you know, courage was, is not an extreme. Courage is the middle ground between cowardice and rashness, right? right? So um, virtue ultimately is like a happy medium for Aristotle. Uh, Do you think that the theological virtues work on the same way? Um, Is hope kind of the middle ground like the other virtues? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think so. 
yeah, um, I think we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later on, uh, maybe as to what the the vices, what the extremes of hope actually are. Um, but yes, I think they are. I think there's there's a mean between two extremes in a certain sense. Okay. Yeah, fascinating. I think. I think I can kind of get a feel for what I think those might be, um, but we can save that for when we get there. Okay. Um, okay, so we gave your catechism definition of hope, but when I just say hope, I know there's a lot of different ways to think about hope. So what what comes to your mind when I say what is hope? Yeah, so this is something um, that I'd like to kind of flesh out a little bit more with, with you, but you know, um, in, in earshot of our listeners here, um, that actually the word on fire magazine uh, kind of brought to light in my mind and heart um, when I was reading over it. Uh, Dylan mentioned that you know, at the beginning of the podcast. It's on the whole magazine on, is on hope. And one of the things that they keep kept bringing up was hope seems to be, Oh, there he's showing it to us. Wow. <laughs> anyway, um, hope seems to be the virtue of the wayfarer um, hmm. is something that they were referring to it as. Um, which was very fascinating to me. Um, the wayfarer is someone who is journeying on the way. That's what, what we mean by that. So um, hope is that virtue that someone who is journeying on the way has. Um, yeah. That was that was kind of a definition to bring about. Um, we can. I don't know if you have initial thoughts on that, Dylan. Yeah, I think I think that's absolutely true. I think of because when I think of hope, I think of actually. To some people, this might be ironic, but I think of actually the darkest moments of my life. Um, because I think of these moments where I was on a journey towards growing in some way, but it was really difficult and really challenging, right? So I actually don't think hope is like, you know, hope isn't a feeling, kind of like love isn't a feeling, um, faith isn't always a feeling. I think that hope can only be experienced by somebody who is on the journey. And somebody who's on a journey is suffering in some way because they're being purified um, in working towards that goal, which is ultimately heaven. So I like that a lot. Right, yeah. I will say, too, um, hope, the reason you know, hope is so essential to the Christian life is that you know, by virtue of us being where we are right now on earth, you know, we um, are past our beginning. You know, we're, we're past our conception now, unless we have mm-hmm. uh, you know, pre-born listeners. Um, <laughs> I think you do. Um, and we're not yet at our end. You know, we haven't reached paradise. So by virtue of that, right. we are, uh, Joseph Pieper referred to Christians as, um, uh, I'm sorry, St. Augustine referred to Christians as homo viator, creatures on the way, um, mm. which is just a, a really powerful way to put it. Uh, Joseph Pieper actually called, you know, Christians that they're always uh, in a state of being on the way. The condition or state yeah. of being on the way is the state of a Christian. Um, and so, yeah. yeah Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that's such such a beautiful, uh, beautiful image and beautiful way of thinking about it, but really hard to accept. I've been really reflecting recently, I think, on on my own perfectionism and kind of my tendencies to like not want to be in this process of journeying, right? Because being on the way, being um, yeah, in this state of being on the way means you're not there yet. And sometimes I just want to be there. Right. And I wonder if maybe that's actually an obstacle to hope sometimes is that lack of acceptance that I'm not there yet. Right. That's a really great point. Um, I don't know. There's a sense in which we kind of are there, right? We're kind of, we're kind of experiencing eternity now. Eternity has started yeah. now. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but we haven't reached the destination that our eternity is supposed to be spent in. Um, yeah. I think so. Yeah, you're right. There is like a, um, I don't know, a, a, a submissiveness that comes with uh, <laughs> having hope. Or I don't know if that's the right word, but. Right. And I think, I think the other aspect of not being there yet that comes to mind for me, because the other thing I think of when I think of hope, my mind goes to actually St. Paul, um, partially because I've been studying him lately for grad school class, um, but partially because he, I think it's really, he, so there's a lot about St. Paul that was in this anticipation. What's really struck me about the class so far, and I'm not that far into it, part of me wishes we would have done this further along because I'd have more to say probably on it, but is he, so St. Paul and a lot of the early Christians, um, early Jewish people or Jews at the time, and then Messianic Jews, Jews who accept Christ as the way, um, they had this expectation of actually the second coming in a way that I think we don't have as much. Um, They had this some of them, I think, thought it was coming a lot sooner than it did. Um, well, we don't know when it came. Right, but yeah. It hasn't come yet. <laughs> the end of the world hasn't come yet, I don't think. Oh, here he is. No. <laughs> <laughs> right there, I see it. They actually see he says that in Scripture. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's like this eager anticipation, and it's steeped in the writings of St. Paul. Um, he was eagerly expecting. It was this this idea. I think it's why we see so much like past, present, and future in Paul. Right? There's this sense in which we we are saved, but we're also being saved, and um, we also hope to be saved in the future. You know, it's it's this process, and we're kind of there. Like Christ came, He fulfilled it. We have this new covenant in Jesus Christ, but it's not complete yet. And I've really come to see that really deep in the writings of St. Paul. So he's someone I think of for that reason. Um, I also think of him because he has this this famous line uh, from Romans 8, where he says, in hope we were saved. Um, and I might go back and read a little bit of that, but Pope Benedict XVI wrote an entire encyclical on this very line. Um, it's called Space Salvi, which means in, like, in hope we're saved, or we were saved. Um, but I always think of that verse as well, because um, I read that in particular at a time, uh, a little bit dark time in my life, and it provided me a lot of hope, for lack of a better way of saying it. Um, but I think, yeah, and I want to talk more about that eventually, too, is that kind of experience. What does this experience of hope and also maybe despair look like? Um, but I think I, I immediately think of, when we think of hope, St. Paul and that eager expectation that he had. Right. Yeah. Great point. You know, I noticed you have you have mentioned here too in the Google Doc um, that we have to pass through suffering in order to have hope. I I think mm-hmm. that's like just a, such a clear indication of someone who has hope. You know, I I really do believe just going through this image of you know hope as the the virtue of the wayfarer, the state of being on the way. Um, you know, hope takes the form of taking steps along the way while suffering. Um, you know. If, if someone is going through just a severe time of suffering in their life, maybe it's loss of a family member or, you know, um, just personal depression. Struggles. Yeah. Personal struggles of some kind, you know, um, like taking steps along the way says that you have hope, um, continuing to go and pray every day, uh, continuing to reach out to friends, um, continue, you know, this and that, that says that you have yeah. hope by continuing to make that, you know, that step forward. 
Yeah, when I think of hope, honestly, I don't think of the person who like is cheerful all the time and looks like they have it all together. I think of the person who is maybe has crippling depression, who is going through hell in their life, um, who is going through, you know, a real experience of hell and still has that courage, that hope, that fortitude to to move on and to take steps in the right direction. Yeah, there's there's this phrase that um, kind of pops up in the in the tradition. Um, this this idea of hoping against hope. I don't know if you've heard that before. You yeah, know, that, no, that's um, in uh, scripture. Oh, that's that's so, from scripture. Yeah, hope against hope. Um, that, yeah. I want to. Is it Saint Paul? I think. It could, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. We'll have to look up that verse. Yeah. Um, and maybe, maybe share it with our listeners at some point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there's this this idea of despite you know looking towards the you know the path ahead the way and not really seeing a way forward do i again here's this word trust do i trust that when i take a step or when i keep moving forward christ's promises will be fulfilled um so this idea of even if it looks like what's promised what's being promised is not going to be fulfilled can i keep taking steps right yeah and it's uh, actually romans 4 saint paul it is saint paul um he talks about how Abraham hoped against hope. Um, so, in, and it says, in hope against hope, Abraham believed that he would become the father of many nations as he had been promised. Mm. I think actually, you know, we think of Abraham as an example of faith sometimes, um, but I think he's an example of hope, a really good one too. Right. Um, you think about, you know, what he ex- experienced in his life. It's, you know, one, having this promise that he doesn't see, well, multiple promises, right? That he doesn't see how they're going to come to fulfillment. The child, you know, that he was promised after childbearing years. Um, and then also being asked to go sacrifice this child. Um, and not knowing how that's going to work out because it's still the child of a promise. And I think Abraham, you know, as St. Paul rightly identifies, is, is a, a real example of that hope. Yeah, you know, I it just occurred to me, and we can flesh this out more if you want, but um, that a lot of times when we say faith, really what we mean is hope, because when you know when you know when Abraham, you know, a great example of course is him having to sacrifice his son, um, you know, right. you, um, presumably um, that's a that's a situation where maybe someone would say, oh, Abraham had faith that you know God's plan would be you know best for him. Um, but really, right. what he had was hope that God's promise would be fulfilled. You know, that that was that was a, a hope-filled um, gesture that he made. Um, there's a there's a really beautiful um, poem that I you know I got um, uh, introduced to to the you know Word on Fire magazine. That's um, uh, Charles uh, Peggy. I probably pronounced that wrong. Oh my gosh! But anyway, it's a French ah, poet. Charles Peggy. Oh yeah. He's a, I don't know him, but <laughs> a French famous French. Poet. He sounds cool. Yeah, the 20th century. But um, he says something really beautiful about faith and hope and love. And he says, um, kind of he he flushes out hope as being the little sister of of faith and and love. Um, hmm. And how uh, um, it, you know, taking the form of a little girl, a child, um, just how faith and love of the elder sisters, they they kind of um. um so the, I think the, the idea is faith sees what is, but hope, little girl, sees what will be. Um, and love kind of, um, 
I forget the exact phrasing, but the, the idea is that um, hope looks toward the future, uh, where faith and love are yeah. are in the present. Um, yeah, so I think you're you're spot on there. Um, and once again, you've kind of said something not knowing is straight from Scripture. I had to look it up while you're speaking, but um, it's in Hebrews 11. It talks about the relationship between faith and hope, and it says faith is the realization of what is hoped for. Hmm. So you're exactly right in that hope is is this. It's kind of what we mean sometimes when we say faith, the faith of Abraham, right? He hopes for something first, and then faith is the realization of that. Right. Right. So I think you're you're absolutely spot on with that. Okay, great. You know, we're on the same page then. As I'm glad you're on the same page as the uh, author of Sacred Scripture. <laughs> it's a good place to be. <laughs> I get what you're doing. Sometimes, there. sometimes I wish I were always there. You know. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, I think I think that hope is is a really beautiful thing when we learn to see it like that. Um, and, you know, I, I have here as well that Christ descended into hell. Um, and I think that's ultimately where we find hope, right? Christ descended into hell, um, which if you think about it, right, this is, you know, hell, it's defined different ways. It's, you know, ultimately the absence of God. Hell is, you know, um, where souls go who have, who have separated themselves completely from God. Um, but descended into hell and the creed is kind of the limbo of the fathers. So where souls went when they couldn't go to heaven yet because Christ has, hadn't come. So, but ultimately, I think broadly speaking, descending into hell is Christ descending into the depths of God forsakenness. Um, so not only did he die a, a horrible death on the cross, but he descended into hell, which I think really shows that Christ has, has descended, taken on the depths of despair. Um, and redeemed that through his resurrection. And so, so what I think hope is for me is I think in order to have hope, like you said earlier, um, it has to be this journey of suffering, but in order to have hope, like you actually have it the most when you're in the depths of, you know, temptation to despair, right? Despair is ultimately, and we'll probably talk about that in a minute with extremes, but right. despair is like giving up on hope. It's, um, hopelessness. Right. Hopelessness. Yeah. Um, so maybe it's a good segue into like the extremes. So what ultimately if hope is this, this middle ground between two extremes, what then are those extremes we're avoiding? Yeah. So, um, I, I guess Aristotle usually lays it out as, you know, kind of the, the side of the, um, scale that is devoid of whatever the virtue is. So there's mm. you know, too little or actually none of that virtue. Yeah. Um, and then there's the, the other extreme of, uh, I don't want to use the phrase too much, but you get what I mean. It's, there's there's too right. much of that virtue, right? So it's too high. And there's too an much. excess. Right. Excess. excess. Yeah. Exactly right. That's the word. Excess. So um, the, the the low end of that, the the kind of absence of hope is um, despair, uh, which is, is the word that you just used. Um, hopelessness is, is the best word that I can use. Best synonym, I mm -hmm. think. Um, yeah, just giving up, finding no purpose or reason to live or continue. Uh, you have any other thoughts on despair? Yeah, I think that I think that despair maybe gets misunderstood sometimes, right? I think we throw around that word casually, um, like "oh, I was despairing" or like, uh, you know, "I'm in the depths of despair," right? Um, but the, in the Catechism definition, I think despair is a really um, it's a really bold word. It's a really big word. I think bigger than the 
oh, I was depressed, so I was despairing the other day, or I was sad, so I was in despair. But despair is, is actually giving up. Right. Would that be fair to say? Yes. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of a heavy topic, I feel like, but I, um, I don't have any stats up, but I, I um, think I've heard that, you know, um, suicide rates, which is really really the, act, the, the supreme act of despair, right? It's the um, just total giving up on life. Um, sure. Yeah, are are higher than than ever really, um, which kind of shows the diminishment of hope kind of on our society. We can we can flesh out more why that is um, later on, but um, definitely uh, despair I think is, is prevalent in our culture. Yeah, I think so. So despair on the one end, and then presumptions on the other end, right? Yeah, pres- presumption because uh, it's hard because you don't want to say you know you're carrying hope too far, um, but. I think what I have written down here is, you know, accepting something is true without, without reasonable assurance. Um, and I don't want to have, using the word reasonable is a little bit, a little bit sketchy, I think, but um, yeah, I, I don't know if you, you want to help me out with a kind of a more refined yeah. definition, but. Well, I think the picture of presumption is somebody who goes on and most Protestants don't even believe this way. Um, maybe sometimes they're caricatured for it, but who says, okay, well, I am saved. I know I'm saved. Therefore, I can do whatever I want. I think that's kind of a picture of presumption is you're presuming God's mercy, but you're taking that to the extreme that I don't even have to accept God's mercy or receive that and allow that to change the way I live. Right. So just the incorrect or unfounded acceptance. Um, or I, I don't know if that's fair. Yeah, I think it's like a it's a distortion of of hope okay that's a good word yeah yeah um, great i think it's really important too to flush out it, going back to um kind of the idea of, again of hope as the, the state of the virtue of being on the way um both of these extremes um actually lead to uh, one who experiences them to stop on the way to no longer continue yeah huh. um so despair is kind of a okay i'm giving up i've stopped my journey along the way um presumption is okay, I'm good. I've already got there. I won't worry about it. I'll get there eventually. So I stop along the way. Um, so both, both extremes of hope are, I'm no longer making steps toward the destination along the way. Wow. Yeah. I've never thought about it like that. I think that's really profound that, yeah, ultimately the, the virtue of hope is to keep going. Right. Um, and you can fail in that on either extreme really. Yeah. It's so important to, uh, um, I, I think it's just so helpful. I, I know, I know it was helpful for me when I read it, uh, just because, um, I know personally over the past year, I know a lot of us can say this, that, um, it's just been very difficult to continue, you know, it's just, um, really, uh, um, hard to maintain a sense of hope and a purpose and a motivation and desire throughout this past year, you know, especially in isolation. And, um, I think just the indication of, oh, okay, I'm getting up and I'm, you know, I'm exercising and I'm, I'm praying and I'm, I'm making steps. Like I, I can write down specific steps that I'm making throughout my day. It's like, okay, I still have hope. Like I still have, I'm still acting as though there's a reason to continue. Um, which is a beautiful kind of tangible way to, um, to, to feel the kind of the, the theological virtue seeping into your life. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that's, that's absolutely true. And I lost where I wanted to go from there. But who knows? Maybe it'll come back. But ultimately, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. 
I was just going to say, <laughs> just continue along the way. No worries. You don't know where you're continue going. Continue along the way, right? <laughs> that actually reminded me exactly of what I wanted to say. Thank you. So um, ultimately, I think what hope is, is we have to be rooted in reality, right? Because what is despair or presumption? I think they're a distortion of reality. Reality is that there is great suffering in this life, but this suffering, there is good in it. Right? This suffering is something that can purify us, that can um, ultimately lead to a greater joy. Right. And so what despair is, is saying, oh, the suffering is so much that it's never going to get better. Mm -hmm. um, and presumption is kind of the same thing, right? It's like, this is as good as it gets. Like, I'm not going to get any better than this. Right. So both of them are, like you said, they're stopping on the journey, but they're both kind of a misconception of reality because the reality is like, life does involve a lot of suffering but it's not the end of the story right Amen. it continues yeah that's beautiful hope is accompanied by truth yeah um so i think the last maybe the last two places we need to go is ultimately okay hope you got a foundation of hope what it is what it isn't now one, I want to go to where, what is, what is our culture look like with regard to hope? And then maybe some practicals at the end, like we like to do about how can you actually grow in this virtue of hope? So maybe let's start with there. Okay. What is, what does our culture look like? Do we, are we a society that has hope you think or not? I think I know your answer, but let's hear it. Well, that's a really, I mean, that's a really kind of the way the question is framed, I think is not really fair to the culture because I, nope, you have to answer for every human being <laughs> on the planet. And it needs to be accurate. <laughs> no hope here. No. I, um, I, I think the way I've kind of framed it, I think, is that hope is diminished in our, our wider culture. Uh, there's there's a, a, a hope that is lacking in a lot of places, um, a, lot, a lot of corners of our society. Um, actually, um, I don't know if a lot of our listeners have seen The Mandalorian. Have you, have you watched The Mandalorian? This is the way. This is the way. I, that means yes. <laughs> so... You know what I was thinking as I was watching The Mandalorian? And don't get me wrong, I love The Mandalorian. I think it's a brilliant show. But um, one of the things that kept coming to mind as I was um, watching it is, you know, the, this phrase keeps coming up. You know, The Mandalorian, their thing is, this is the way. Um, mm -hmm. And at the end of the two seasons, I just like was asking the question, like, does anybody actually know what the way actually is? Um, like, what's... <laughs> Like when they say when they say the way, it's like what do they what do they what do they mean? <laughs> like where are they going? Yeah. What are they doing? You know what's what's the way? Um, and I, I, the sense that I get is that they don't really know. They just say this is the way when they have to do things that are hard. Um, and so yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think somebody <laughs> might argue with that. that the way kind of <laughs> encaptures you know the Mandalorian's way of life, which has certain right. principles they live by that they could articulate. I think, but. I think yeah. your point holds true. Like it's in saying this is the way. Sometimes it's just like, okay, well, what what's the way? North, right. south. But I think, yeah, I think my point still holds with the Mandalorian because there's this ambiguity of the viewer of what what's the way? Like, what do they do? Right. Yeah. Because um, when yeah. they say it, it's not always immediately apparent. Like, no, it's not. It's what not, it's, the way? That, yeah. What part of the creed that they're referring to? Right. Yeah. It's it's not apparent, and th that comes to my point of um, there's this sense I think in our culture of. We don't really know what the way is. We don't really know what our way is. Like, where, where are we going to? Um, I, don't, I think the, the famous line from Alice in Wonderland from Lewis Carroll is, um, you know, Alice says to whatever creature, um, you know, uh, um, 
the creature asks her, like, uh, um, where, where do you want to go? He's like, I, I don't really know. And he says, well, any road will, will get you there. Um, yeah. So it's huh. just kind of like a, a, an absence of purpose, um, an absence mm-hmm. of what, what our, our, you know, capital W way actually is. Um, how can we journey along the way when we don't know what it is? So, um, of course, the, you know, our, our culture would be devoid of hope in that way. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I think we live in this world where there's it's, everything's so relativized and there's so many different narratives. And, and it's why I think we see people cling on to so many, um, and you see this throughout history, but people cling to like kind of explanations or ideologies, right? So you see that in the polarization of America, right? Well, we don't really know what the heck is going on with our democracy. So I'm going to cling to this, this ideology that kind of explains it for me a little bit. Um, but is that really the way? I mean, it's, I think it's, it's limited in what it can really explain. Um, whereas I think ultimately religious truth, um, there's mystery. There's a lot of mystery there, but, um, it, it gives us more of a sense of a, a purpose um, and a direction for all of our lives, for every aspect of our life, and not just, um, okay, well, this is kind of how I fit into American politics, or this is how I kind of get by at my job, or, um, you know, this sport, or whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, I think we're definitely devoid in that in that direction as a society. Yeah, it's so beautiful, isn't it, how, um, you know, our... our um our shepherd here at Huntsville, Father Jonathan, said in a homily recently um, that uh, Catholicism is by far the most coherent explanation for the universe. Not even close. Mm. Nothing else is close. Mm. Um, and it's just, um, that is such a beautiful reality, you know, that our Catholicism, our, our relationship with the Lord, um, the story of salvation makes sense mm. of everything in our lives and brings it mm. together and, and gives it a purpose along this way, you know? Um, so, which is yeah. such a freeing thing. Thank God we don't have to build our own sort of meaning and our, our own sort of way and our, <laughs> it makes sense right. of all this, you know? Right. I remember that's, that's powerful. I remember saying to somebody once, was talking about like existentialism, which is um, kind of this worldview that seeks meaning, but, is kind of like you create your own meaning, right? It's not inherent there, so you have to figure out what is your meaning and right. and pursue that, right? And there's a good in that, in that they realize that there's this there's this meaning we need in our lives. Um, but the problem is, it's like it's your own meaning, so it's only as good as you are. And I don't know about you, but I I long for something that that's just broader than that, that makes more sense beyond this narrow. Uh, perspective that I might have. And I remember telling somebody about existentialism once and, and you're just like, yeah, that's just, that sounds sad. <laughs> <laughs> you're sad. That's why that sounds sad. <laughs> I guess so. I'm pretty you. sad. So yeah. that being said though, Nick, I think, I think you're right. I think there is a lack of, of purpose, a lack of um, direction in in a lot of corners of society, I like how you said that it's not, you know, don't want to overgeneralize that, but I actually think that, and maybe this is cause I think, I think I don't want to be presumptuous in saying this, but I think that hope is, is one of the virtues that comes more naturally to me. I think, I think hope comes more naturally than faith to me sometimes. 
Um, and I don't know what that is. I guess it's thank you, baptism. Thank you, Lord, for, <laughs> right. for giving me that grace. But I, you know, when I look at the world, when I look at the suffering, um, when I look at the purposelessness, that actually gives me hope. Um, because I kind of feel like we're at the place where I think a lot of people are realizing that there's not a lot of fulfillment in, in the things of this world. And I think that kind of like you have to go through suffering, like you have to experience that emptiness. And so I think when we see, you know, the, the quote unquote decline of society or decline of morality or whatever, whatever it is, like we in our, in our Christian faith, we know that nothing can fulfill somebody like God can. Hmm. Um, and everything we search after is not, is going to leave us wanting more, is going to leave us empty. Um, and so I think when I see that, I think ultimately, yeah, maybe there's direct, there's no direction. Maybe we are living in this kind of purposelessness, this lack of hope. But I think the fact that we're there means that we're kind of at a turning point. I think that, that there's an opportunity to, to realize that there's something more. Right. Um, but I think we have to experience that, that almost hopelessness in order to hope against hope, in order to have hope in the first place. Amen. And that's such a powerful vision for evangelization, Dylan. You know, like that the, these people that are kind of at an impasse in their their you know purposeless lives, if you will. Um, you know that um, Christians have their really their responsibility. Of, it's a responsibility to step in and and kind of pick people up along the way and and you know help draw them towards a, a hope-filled life. Right. It's like you said, you know, we as, you know, Catholicism is the most compelling, like rational explanation for, for all of the universe, right? Well, if we have that, then like, that's good news, you know, like that's something right. like we can share with this hopeless society, hopeless society. That's um, right. an all encompassing broad term. But right. um, I think that in and of itself is a source for hope, right? We see the need and we know the solution. Um, yeah. it, and not to paint too rosy of a picture of it either, right? We also know, because we know the solution, we know that we have a faith that embraces suffering, right? We know that it, the the Christian creed is not like the Buddhist creed. You know, we believe that God took on our suffering and redeemed it. So our suffering has purpose. Yeah. Um, we don't just avoid suffering. And if we're suffering, then there's no hope. No, it's actually we find hope in this suffering. Yeah, and that's I think ultimately why it's such a compelling way of looking at the world is because there, I don't know of any other uh, faith that looks at suffering in that way and sees it. No, not only is is there meaning in our suffering, but like that suffering can redeem us, right? Um, through the death of Christ and our participation in that, and I I think that's just an incredibly beautiful thing. It is beautiful. I think we we need to maybe uh, have we done a. I can't even remember now. Have we done a podcast on suffering and its meaning? I think we need to spend some time doing that if we have. No, I, I think we might have talked about it, but yeah, yeah we definitely should. Maybe I that's a good, so. a good follow up from this conversation. Yeah, I, I think so. So I think that that's worth it to, to flesh out more, um, especially having to do with hope. Yeah, I think it's such a such a related and really important topic. All right, Nick. So, what does love got to do with this, and how can we grow in hope? <laughs> um, Twenty more dollars. So that's a really great question. And, you know, honestly, I would, 
be shocked if we didn't have a podcast if we had a podcast where we didn't talk about prayer so here we go um yeah cue, cue the eye roll from our listeners here uh but <laughs> i uh i just don't really know what else would be primary besides spending time building your relationship with jesus and growing in a knowledge and love of him no yeah yeah, no, you're absolutely right, Nick. And the funny thing is, in preparing for this, I read the Catechism, and it says that, um, in particular, um, it said pretty much this verbatim, if I can find it, where we were. It was in talking about hope or the theological virtues in general. And it basically said, how we grow in hope? Uh, prayer. Um, <laughs> okay, there you go. So I'm paraphrasing it. If I find it, I find it. Otherwise, just know that basically the catechism says that. It says, ultimately, how you're going to grow in this is is prayer. Actually, I think they quoted me in that. Oh, probably. You know, I think <laughs> divine revelation and, and Nick's mind are very similar sometimes. So. That's too much. Right. Your flattery is too much, my friend. But alas, essentially... I mean, that's, that's what our faith teaches, right? Like, how do we grow in hope? It's prayer. Um, and I think that's hard. I think that that's difficult because when we're tempted towards despair, it, it makes us not want to pray sometimes. Yeah. And so ultimately what we have to do, I think, is allow ourselves to experience that suffering and right. to bring that suffering to the Lord in prayer. Because ultimately, as a theological virtue— we talked about this from the start, right? How do we have the theological virtues? By the grace of our baptism and sanctifying grace in our soul. Right. So these only grow through God. So we can only grow, and this is, you know, we've got a quote from Teresa of Avila here that I think will speak into this. Um, but we can only grow through prayer and through regular mental prayer, I think, for the theological virtues. Because we can only grow by allowing God to essentially water the seed inside of us and make it bear fruit. It's the only yeah. way to grow in hope, I think. Yeah, I I actually, I think there's maybe a little bit more of a nuance to that. Um, the only way nope, to no nuance. Nope. Okay, <laughs> all right, never mind. Do you want to read the nope. quote from St. Teresa of Avila first, and then we can kind of get into that? Yeah, I don't want to yeah, kind of let's do that. Let's get, why don't you go ahead and yeah, read yeah. that? So Teresa of Avila, doctor of the church, saint, mystic. Um, this woman is incredible. She says, hope, O oh my soul, hope. You know neither the day nor the hour. Watch carefully, for everything passes quickly, even though your impatience makes doubtful what is certain and turns a very short time into a long one. Dream that the more you struggle, the more you prove the love that you bear your God, and the more you will rejoice one day with your beloved in a happiness and rapture that can never end. Yeah, what Powerful. a peace-filled peace quote, too. It's just a, you can just sense the holiness coming from this lady. Yeah, hope, oh my soul, hope. Everything passes quickly. I love that line, um, even though your impatience makes doubtful what is certain. Hmm. That that gives me a lot of hope right there. You know, like, we, we, we live in a broken world. We have fallen flesh, fallen humanity. Um, and what that does is actually it obscures reality. It obscures the truth that we have reason to hope. Right. And so I think the hope in, in this, this struggle for us is that 
ultimately it's it's not true despair is a lie right Amen. we do have reason for hope yeah absolutely um i think too uh i, I just wanted to put my little nuance on this um how dare i feel uh saint Teresa of Avila's thunder there but uh i i think too we got to mention prayer we got to mention lord of the rings at least once in our uh in our podcast so i'll, I'll do it for us <laughs> I'll, I'll just squeeze it in no um lord of the rings is actually a really powerful um kind of source of hope for me over the quarantine it's the first time i've read it um one of the things, actually, hope is very prevalent for Tolkien in in the book. Yeah, um, he talks about it. The characters talk about it often. Um, mm-hmm. and w- one of the things that you know, despite the the seeming lack of hope in their situation, Frodo and uh, Sam continue along the journey. Um, there's this, there's this yeah. really this, this real yeah. this real way that they're going along, this real journey that they're moving along, and they they have a sense that there doesn't seem to really really any hope, but we got to keep taking steps. So I think one way that we can grow in hope, and again, hope is a gift, um, and it, it's it. it uh, I think it's fair to say that the human virtues are kind of um, uh, built upon by the theological. Um, the, yeah. the theological virtues can work in the midst of our human virtues. Um, yeah, they do. But right, yeah. So and again, I think we could just get a really real sense of that when we say um, you can actually help yourself grow in hope by just taking steps, just. Let's, let's get up, and, and prayer is absolutely the most important step. Um, but getting up and um, just doing some active charity throughout your day to show that you know I believe in the Christian life. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, some m- making some sort of step towards becoming more Christ-like throughout your day, despite your you know lack of feeling like you want to do it. Right. Yeah, I think. I think there's a couple really important things there. I think one, you kind of identified, right? There's this, there is this element of our cooperation with grace and, and growing in the virtues, even the theological virtues, because um, sanctifying grace, sacramental grace, right? It's, you know, it is something we have to emphasize. It's a gift, right? There is no faith, hope, and love without the grace of God, without that gift. But it's also what, what we call a habitual grace, which means that it, it bears fruit to the extent that it's cooperated with, to the extent that habits are formed in it, right? So even though hope, and I think you said this at the beginning, right, it is similar to the um, to the human virtues in that there can be an extreme, two extremes on either end, and also that they can be grown in through habit. And like, I love the the example you gave of like, what do I do? Sometimes I feel like you know I believe that this is true. I believe. The Catholic faith is true, but sometimes I don't feel it. And in those moments where I don't feel it and I'm tempted to doubt, to despair, what can I do to remind myself of what I do believe is true? Right. And I think that is a is a great way to grow in hope. And I love as well what you said about Lord of the Rings. I think that's absolutely true. I think that's the one, um, one of the movies I've seen um, where I think more than any other movie, the watching the return of the king when they're like when they're on their way they're on this journey i thought multiple times like i knew they were gonna make it this is actually a great analogy um so i knew they were gonna make it i knew the movie ends happy right they're gonna make it but i felt in my bones like they weren't right because they were so close to dying um and the movie's so well made and that i felt deep within me i'm like they're not gonna make it they're gonna die sam and frodo are gonna die and this movie's gonna end 
right? But alas, they made it, right? So I had this feeling, this temptation not to believe. And what I knew in my bones was true as well, but I didn't feel it. So I think that's a really beautiful analogy for hope. I think that's really incredible. Yeah. Um, You know what else is amazing too, Dylan? You use the word alas in normal conversation two (laughs) times in this podcast. (laughs) Wow. That is, that is without a doubt, something I want to be known for. So. Had to make fun of you there. I'm sorry. That's I didn't even notice that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I All right. All right. Well, that seems like as good of a place as any to end, unless you have another uh, another thing about hope to share. Alas, I do not. No. Nope. Nope. You uh, was poorly timed. You forced it. Okay. Uh, All right. Yeah, all right, folks. Well, thanks for listening. Yeah, hopefully we'll get one on, on suffering at some point because I think that would be a great follow-up. Um, next time, we'll be in person, hopefully, God willing. Um, we're enjoying doing this. Uh, again, we hope to hear from you. Colloquiumshow at gmail.com. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on YouTube now. Haven't really put a lot out there, but maybe a little bit. Um, so go find us, follow us, email us. We love you. All right, this has been our conversation. Yeah, we do. We do love that. (laughs) We do. Okay, we love you guys. (laughs) This has been our conversation tonight. Go have good conversations yourself. Praise be Jesus Christ. Now and forever. Amen. Amen. Bada bing, bada boom. Bada bing, pal.